Sibling Sci-Fi Stories. Hi, and welcome to Sibling Sci-Fi Stories, where me and my little bro dive into one of our cherished pop culture genres, science fiction. I'm Mallory, and Josh is seated beside me as we sip on some tea. Josh, how's that ginger peach tasting? It's pretty good, Mal. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, with our first podcast, we just kind of want to talk about what to expect um, from sibling sci-fi stories, and we just really want to preface the fact that, you know, we're not, we're not experts. We're not literary experts. We're not cinematography experts. Far from it. <laughs> but we enjoy it, and so we just want to share our passions with you and the little micro know-how micro-knowledge that we do have on it with you and see if you guys can share. And, you know, we won't have to then worry about putting things into layman's terms because they'll already be in layman's terms. <laughs> so, exactly. so, yeah. So I thought we would just um, begin by doing some introductions so you know who the hell is talking to you right now. Um, Josh, how about you start? What's your name? Your profession? Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so I am Mallory's brother, younger brother, three years younger. Um, 22. I'm Joshua Jordan. You can just call me Josh, though. Uh, I work as an engineer for Rolls-Royce uh, Aircraft, not the cars. Um, pretty cool passion of mine. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that more at some point. It kind of ties into the why I love sci-fi, I guess. Um, and really, I think the reason I love sci-fi is it's all about being curious and and getting to tell stories with no limits and no bounds and, and kind of go beyond what's possible. And I think that's what the coolest part about it is. Definitely. Um, my favorite sci-fi author is definitely Ray Bradbury because it kind of breaches um, kind of topics outside of sci-fi using sci-fi as like, you know, a, a medium to talk about those kind of things, whether it's like how the government, you know, watches or, you know, child experiences, anything like that. Um, right now, honestly, my favorite TV show related to sci-fi has to be Stranger Things. Just kind of got into that. Has to be. Almost done with season two pretty into that, uh, so I think that's the winner for now. Favorite sci-fi character? That's pretty hard. Um, I'd have to say the little bird in Slaughterhouse-Five that goes pooty-weed. That's a pretty <laughs> great character, and it has so much, so much symbolism for, for a bird that says one line. Well, and if you guys haven't heard of Slaughterhouse-Five, that's a Kurt Vonnegut Jr. book, which we'll definitely be talking about him a lot on this podcast, not only because he's a fantastic sci-fi author, but he actually hails from Indiana, where we are from as well. So he's kind of a big deal around here. Very true. Um, growing up, I think what got me into sci-fi was really, I think our dad uh, really, really got us into reading. And obviously reading, you know, is probably your best bet to get into the sci-fi genre, aside from movies and TV. And I think both me and Mallory uh, grew up not as normal as you'd say, like, you know, we just kind of were quirky kids and had our own little, little idiosyncrasies, and I think sci-fi kind of speaks to that person, because it kind of lets you uh, think outside the box and think outside of what you've seen as normal, um, and um, I don't know, that's me, that's a good start, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, my name is Mallory, and while my name was Mallory Jordan, I just recently got married, so it is now Mallory Porter. And I am a digital marketer, so right now I work for a financial services company. Um, but I've done startup, corporate, a little bit of freelance, so digital marketing is my land. And why sci-fi? Um, I would say that 
growing up, Josh was more of the scientific part of that. He liked smart, nerdy things, while as I liked weird, nerdy things. And uh, so I got really into supernatural stuff and vampires and things like that. So I've just always loved the little worlds that sci-fi pulls you in, whether it's futuristic or the past or future and past mixed together like steampunk and just all the possibilities that there are in those worlds, which some can be proven scientifically and some are just totally out of this world and supernatural. Um, I just love the eerie feel. Um, eerie, creepy things make me feel comfortable. <laughs> and at home. They always have. So I just, I don't know. I, I love sci-fi. There's a lot of truth sometimes even the in the most unscientific part of sci-fi and the fantasy part. The most unreal stories can tell the most, like, true, honest tales. Yeah. Know, the point they try to make, maybe, you know? Definitely, yes. So, just tea sip. Mm, so good. <laughs> um, so you totally stole my favorite sci-fi author because it's definitely Ray Bradbury, but that's why we're siblings. But if I had to pick my favorite novel by him, I it would be The Illustrated Man, just because I love um, short works. I just find it so powerful when you can tell this amazing story in short form. And it's just like, I like collections of things. And just that it's this collection of all of these different little sci-fi stories. I wish I could write like that myself. So and I think, I think our, our next episode will kind of talk about, um, an author named Richard Matheson. We'll be talking about his I Am Legend book, but the copy that me and Allery also read, it had, a uh, half of it was that book. And the other half was a set of short stories that he wrote, which actually inspired Stephen King. So that's kind of a shared passion of ours, was um, those kinds of short little stories that can cover such an interesting topic in such a detailed, crazy way that only sci-fi can in such a short amount of time. So I think we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit as well. Oh, for sure. Let's see. My favorite sci-fi movie or TV show. That, one, that one's hard for me because I watch so much. Yes, you watch them all the time. I just... I mean, sci-fi and horror is pretty much all I watch. Like Zach, right? Like my my husband Zach is like, can we can we watch something funny? Like, <laughs> no. Um, so obviously, Stranger Things is how can you not be obsessed with that right now? Uh, but on my on my nerd level, um, as far as fantasy, definitely uh, <laughs> uh, Supernatural, the show. You know, I, I think. Sci-fi still counts for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stuff You're like that. You're missing one that I know. It's Charmed. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Every single day after school when we were growing up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of a classic nerd, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, those, those are probably my immediate go-tos. But at the same time... Sassy witches. Sassy witches. Um, Josh and I, when we grew up too, I think just because we were, we were, were 90s kids... Um, in the first half of the 90s as well. So we grew up, too, not only reading, but with, like, Dad's reading, like you mentioned, but also with 80s movies. And 80s is where all that sci-fi stuff began. I mean, that's what Stranger Things is emulating oh, in a so lot much, of... Yeah. yeah, in the cinematography is all these 80s films. And I would say we mainly grew up with um, a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Total Recall, and oh, Terminator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like we saw that so many times. And Predator. Predator. Like, I don't know. Our dad was a huge Arnold fan. I just never thought of it. They're but excellent movies. They are excellent movies. Um, and Alien, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we grew up with the movies as well, and that had a huge impact on us, just all of those 80s 
stunning cinematography. So, I mean, E.T. kind of freaked me out when I was young. But but I think that draws to, like, a. I think you and I, as much as we love the new stuff, even more so you, like, to watch some modern, you know, shows, movies, whatever, I think because of that, we also really appreciate the the older style. I think that's, like, how we grew up with it. Stuff like um, Hitchcock, like Psycho... Or, like, we've been watching a lot of The Twilight Zone lately. Yeah. Like, that stuff is just as good and is so, like, like iconic in terms of the themes that they present. Like, I think a lot of it is derivative from, like, those original shows. So I think that was a lot of our reason that we got into it so much because we love the early stuff. So true. I mean, Twilight Zone literally is a bunch of short stories that we love yeah, packed exactly. together. And I think you even said last time we were watching it at your place was, was that... So many sci-fi stories stem from these little stories. Like these basic versions of the Yeah. So, and people just don't even think of it because there were obviously so many episodes. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything immediately on Netflix that I've seen lately. I've been watching, I mean, it is just now Christmas. I'm definitely a wait till December to decorate for the holidays type thing. So, I'm, I am just now finishing my horror movie binge, so. Gotcha. <laughs> I haven't been watching as much. Yeah. I haven't been watching as much sci-fi. <laughs> what else is fine? And then my favorite sci-fi character. I'm stumping myself. I can't even really think of who your favorite would be. Yeah. I feel like I've always seen you as getting more attached to an entire story than a single individual. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of hard to pick. I guess that's why I kind of picked the goofy one as a little bird because it's yeah, that's hard. That's a good one, though. I think that, like, in the realm of sci-fi, you so much more often get it, like, attached to the story or more so, like, the concept it represents than, like, an individual character. Yeah. Because it's not, like, about the people, usually. It's about no, it's the really universe not. and, like, the thing... The powers at play in that story, you know? That's so true. It is. It's about the universe. And that's been created by this author. And even though they're not, you, you know, necessarily horror, they can almost be in that genre because you don't really... A lot of times in sci-fi, you don't get attached to the characters because you know something's going to happen to somebody. And it's... Yeah, but yeah, it's it's the universe. So yeah, that's a pretty difficult one. I'm sure I have one in the back of my head. But I just... Give it time. Yeah, I'm just going to think about that. We'll have to revisit. And then I kind of mentioned this, growing up was first got you into sci-fi. De- definitely for me, it was the movies. I-, I feel like all the books I read were either like boxcar children style um, or or creepy stuff. Like I loved um, Goosebumps. So you it's know, technically a sci-fi, but it's still not you as... You just a- made me think. I think uh, you and I were both very big fans of Me, Hardy Boys, and You, Nancy Drew. That's true. And that, I think kind of was like the icebreaker yeah. of us into the like mystery. I think you and I really like the mystery of this stuff. Yeah. You know, we like to figure out, you know, what are these crazy things happening in this situation yeah. that the, the author often so like slowly alludes to until it kind of explodes in your face, you know? Very true. That's a really good point. So yeah, I mean, between that and then just the movies we watched growing up, it was just kind of natural. That's really, and I just always, I feel so comfy with those types of movies. They just feel at home, which is kind of why I think everyone's gone so crazy with Stranger Things, because it's just this feeling that, of nostalgia, but it's not nostalgia, because it's right now, it's happening right now, and that's just pretty powerful. It really is. It's pretty cool that, that in this day and age, you still can have those effects 
of the, you know, the old kinds of movies and shows and stories? For sure. I would have to say, like, because I didn't even, if I had to think of, like, my first legitimate sci-fi book, that it was really just sci-fi. I mean, technically, it'd be the vampire stuff, but sometimes I don't really like to think of that as sci-fi. That's more the fic- fiction fantasy to me. Right. Than, than an actual sci-fi. But, I mean, we were pretty into aliens, but I feel like we weren't, you were more science and I was more just like weird stuff. I was going to say, you, you bring in that, I would say my first really sci-fi read was the Animorphs books. <laughs> Animorphs, I remember that. Hilarious, right? Like yes. the, the And they were just kind of goofy stories, in my opinion, because they were, you know, the formula's the exact same. Right. Like, it always turns into something. <laughs> but like, I don't know, I think that was the first... The first dive I had into that, it was just so weird. It was just like, okay, well, this is some premise someone just wrote a bunch of books about, and it got pretty popular, and they did a good enough job. So, and okay. that's kind of what sci-fi really is, is it's just someone thinks of this wild premise that can be completely unreal, and they can build this whole world around it, and it's entertaining. Very true. I think for me as well, I love young adult books and that turns to sci-fi so quickly as too. most I've had people ask me like what should I read nowadays and even the most adult of things that aren't young adult still have that twinge of it's not sci-fi but it's still you know post-apocalyptic which is you know in the close realm and I, I grew up reading so many young adult books maybe because they were a little romancy and I was a romance nerd but so many of those do lean towards sci-fi and that helps as well, I think, for anyone. And I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they're easier universes to create and be wild with. I don't know. It's hard. I think there's so many elements to it. I think to to feel like you are reading something or part of this universe that there's these unreal things happening, I think you just get to dive into it more because you almost don't identify it too much with your life where you would poke holes in it. Like when it gets into the fantastic you say, wow, you know, this is just, this is what it is, and you get so into it because you just start believing almost. Yeah. I guess if I had to pick my, I don't know if you would count this as sci-fi, but, I mean, no, it's totally not. Well, <laughs> maybe, no, it's totally not. Good I'm not even going to mention it. Say it. <laughs> now I'm going to discredit myself. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the realm, the scope of this show, if it's, I mean, even... In a, in a way, Lord of the Rings is fantasy, but it's it's science fiction. It has it has these crazy fantastical things in it. I think this show could could cover any topic because we you know we're really just talking about the abnormal, the the extraordinary, True. and all those things fit into that category. I so what is it? You got to tell me. No, I can't. <laughs> I had I had another thing pop into my head. Back to growing up and. Definitely favorite characters. Our father's favorite movie. Can you remember what that was? Oh my god! Should I just say it? Say it. Fifth Element. Fifth Element. Oh my goodness, that's an excellent sci-fi movie. There you go. Favorite characters right there. Oh my god. Pick one. They're amazing. What's her name again? Lilu, right? Lilu. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, that's an excellent. I mean that that is like a perfect example of what sci-fi can do. It can do action, it can do romance, it can do silly and funny with the the guy who's like a dressed up like a woman and like singing the songs. Yep. Like it just can do so many different things 
because it's this universe that they're just like, well, in this universe, anything can happen. And that's just the best part. That makes it so fun. What's cool about sci-fi, too, is I feel like we live in an age where it's so much more respected as an art form and as a storytelling because platform. Because if you think about the past, you know, sure, we, we had Twilight Zone, and there were still authors um, like George Orwell and, um, well, I mean, even Kurt Vonnegut was longer ago than we really think about. Right. Um, but they weren't ever revered as great authors. They it's were kind no, of in their own... It's no longer a fringe yeah, genre. Yeah. It's now kind of more mainstream. And I think that really has a lot to do with not even movies. Truly, it's television. Yeah. Because things, shows like Stranger Things or anywhere even back to where you would watch stuff like Charmed or anything like that, when you get these TV shows that get so popular... I mean, I would say, God, the one that really did it was X-Files. Mm -hmm. Like, that mm -hmm. just completely put the sci-fi on, like your water cooler conversations level. And I think that kind of brought it to the point where now these sci-fi authors looking back or even the new ones now or making TV shows, there's so much more in the limelight and that's one of the most popular genres as opposed to kind of fringe, you know, back in the day. Good point. Very good point. And it's been integrated so much in our generation's natural TV that we didn't even, like, right now we can't even think of certain things because it was just, it wasn't just sci-fi, it was just a TV show where we were going to watch. Um, even if it's stupid stuff like Spy Kids. Or Curved the Cowardly or, Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I've loved and loved Curved the Cowardly Dog. And I was thinking, too, of, um, ah, and it slipped my brain. Oh, when, even when we got older, it transitioned so much into our normal TV shows with Futurama. I mean, that... That is easily one of my favorites. My nickname with my friends is Zoidberg. So, that, I mean... Do that, it. <laughs> do the... Just do the... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just, like, part of me is, like, my identity was growing up and, like, that was one of those shows that was just so... Because, it again, it really... It can touch on so many different... That is such an emotional, like, tear-jerking show at some points for such a ridiculous universe. And that's what sci-fi can do. It just has the power to like tell any kind of story because there's just no limits. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Now I was just thinking of the episode with... I feel like I keep saying now I'm just thinking, so we'll start rephrasing. <laughs> of the episode when, with Fry's dog. Exactly. Kills me. Literally the saddest episode in the world. And it's all about this, like, you know, I mean, the whole subject is the fact that this guy got frozen for a thousand years and his dog got like fossilized, yep. <laughs> and it's like waiting sad, for him to return. It's the saddest episode you've ever heard, ever seen. And at the same time, there's like a robot getting shit faced and a crab monster that's a doctor. Like this is, all, and, and at the end of the episode, you're like absolutely touched, as if it was like a a beautiful film about a woman and a man falling in love. Like, and that's what sci-fi does. Or like fucking Marley and me or something. Yeah, like something super sad. And it's just like, oh no, it was just a crazy TV show, but it also had that part to it. Yeah. So while in the past, you know, it still, it always existed, it was so much more rare, and even the average audience wasn't watching it. It's so much more pervasive into every, like, form of media or other genre. Like, they love to just sprinkle it in now. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost a tool that you can just use to say, man, how are we going to explain this? Well, we <laughs> can just use not reality, and it's pretty fun. <laughs> True. I want to think of some 
I know there are definitely favorites of ours that do focus more on the science part, and I'm trying to remember some of those as well because I really want to deep more. I want to dive deep into that just because of I know that's what you like, and I definitely don't want to take over our future podcasts with discussions of vampires too much. So. Well, I think that's that's what's fun about it is the whole theme is that it really captures so many different like realms, and even though like maybe the vampire stories that you were traditionally into were more like Victorian era. They have modern vampire stories that get into kind of a more science fiction when it gets into like it was a strain of a bacteria or it was some serum they got injected with. You know, there's so many. I mean, uh, part of our conversation for next week with the I Am Legend, the I Am Legend in the Will Smith movie, which is very different than the book. Which we will the, talk about. Which we'll talk about <laughs> in the Will Smith movie as a modern example. They, it was this disease. It was this thing that was spreading. So it was. It's like vampires, really, mm-hmm. at least in the book, and it has this sci-fi twist that's like medicine, disease, that kind of thing. So I just think that's what's so cool is it just can pervade into any traditional subject because you can just always put this fun sci-fi twist on it. If you had to pick your favorite sci-fi topic that you like hearing about, like whether it's time or like you just said, you know, with infections or diseases or aliens or like, what would you say is your, can you, is that to you on the spot? I really know. So I think the way I've always enjoyed sci-fi the most, and this would be in the case of books like World Worlds, Fahrenheit 451, 1984. I love when you see this universe, which has all these crazy, fantastic or terrible in many cases, like inventions and new things in science that you can't really do in real life. I love to see that through the lens of one individual. Like Guy Montag in Fahrenheit 51. Like you see all these things through their view. And you can see how like the world is trying to like make them think a certain way about it. So I think that's my favorite part of sci-fi is like the way they'll tell these stories. Uh, again, you know, I Am Legend, whether it was the book or the movie, is told through the conduit of this one person dealing with what's happening in this universe. I've always loved that about the way they tell these stories. Very cool. I wouldn't even have thought that. Mine is time. I love stories about time because it just gets my brain working and moving. It, it pulls me in in a way that even the best alien story can't. I just... Whether it's literally going back in time, fine. But I think why I ended up loving Kurt Vonnegut, which is like the third time I've mentioned him in this, uh, is because he really gives you these statements that could span across any time period. And he really takes that element of time and makes you question it. And it's almost like his books really are even though he doesn't give you scientific facts, it almost feels like he's giving you scientific facts. And it just makes my brain work in a way that other things don't. Don't get me wrong. You know, I I like my nerd stuff. Sometimes I just like to fade into these universes and just pretend like I'm in one and just soak that up and just enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it. But a lot of times the best thing about sci-fi is it makes you think. There's like a certain amount of objectivity that like, because I think as a reader or a viewer or whatever you're, the media you're looking at, there's a, there's a knowledge in the back of your head, obviously, 
that the parts of it that aren't reality mm-hmm. aren't reality. Yeah. And you kind of get stuck in this in-between where you start believing it as you watch the show, but whether you take a break while you're watching or you just finished an episode or you just put the book down, you, like, come back to reality and it makes you think about the differences between that reality and this reality, mm-hmm. you know? And especially ones that... Portals. Frickin', like, portals, man. That combine realities within that story, even. Uh, I have this one series that might not be super well-known. It's by an author by Liva Bray. And the first one, actually, it's over here in my bookshelf, so I'm going to peek and see what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) It's The Sweet Far Thing and a Great and Terrible Beauty. And it's Victorian era, which is totally my jam. (laughs) 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 But it ends up, it's partially like a supernatural kind of superpower thing that this girl has. But then it's also this portal to this completely other world. And I'm not going to, you know, give away any spoilers or anything. And that might have actually already kind of been one. So sorry. But I, I love time and portals and, and I don't know, just assessing I think that. time is still, you know, in the science world, still one of those eggs that just hasn't been cracked and may never, ever get cracked. Mm-hmm. Because it's just such a insane subject that we just barely understand. So when you get to play with it like a toy in a story, it just makes you think so much because then you walk away and you say, wow, like, maybe that is possible. Mm-hmm. I think sci-fi is just so about the unknown and, like, exploring what could be possible if this happened. And time is such an easy subject to play with that. And that's why it's so intriguing to us. It's so fascinating. Plus, I'm always impressed with people who use elements like time or or lean towards more of the scientific facts of sci-fi within their universes, no matter how true or not they are. Because it does take some research and some intellect. You can't just make things up. For you to really take scientific facts that we know or don't know and create a story around that, and I'm convinced that it's that could daring. happen. It takes, it's daring, it takes for sure. A, a certain like level of confidence that I can take this known scientific subject and tweak it into the abnormal a little bit, and it sounds convincing. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing that these people are able to do that, and I think maybe that's another reason why you and I get drawn to that so much, because, you know, and I don't think it's easy to, you know, write a book or or, you know, make a TV show. I don't disparage that. But my point, I guess, is, you know, a romance story, it seems kind of straightforward, right? You can add turmoil, but it seems like, okay, it's a romance story. Like, the the effort it must take to build this fake world that so closely may resemble ours with this odd twist takes just such a crazy amount of creative thought, you mm-hmm. know? For sure, especially if I can't poke a million holes in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm definitely someone who loves to poke holes in stories. So when I feel stymied by the fact that I can't do that, it's like, wow, this is this is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I think we can. We should probably uh, wrap this up a bit. It's been a nice session, but they've probably heard enough about us and our. Yeah. our Next time we'll talk about some real, uh, real literature or movies instead of just talking about ourselves. So please join us next week when we cover one of our shared favorites that we mentioned in this podcast earlier, the novel by Richard Matheson and also the movie called I Am Legend, where we explore our personal insights on the movie starring Will Smith along with the novel, kind of parallel, and our opinions on both and how they weighed in on each other. So 
With that, I think we're ready to sign off. So just remember, until next week, explore the unknown and embrace the extraordinary.